Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the salvation that we, that we have in our hearts, the hope of eternal life because of you. Thank you for leading us, for being the author and perfecter of our faith. You are good to us in a world that is not always good to us. You will always be faithful and you will always be steady. You will always be unchanging and you will always be God. We rest on that and we we find hope in you and we find peace in our hearts and joy to live the days to come. We thank you so much for being the light of the world and for, for saving us and filling us with your presence so that we can go out and, and bring the light to the darkness of this world and to our friends and family members and the people we don't know who need you desperately. I pray that you continue that work. Please be with the missionaries that are on the field right now from our church. Bless them, Lord, and help them to do your work. To share the gospel of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that many would come to trust in you. Keep them safe as they travel. I pray for those that are going out this coming week. Please guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. Lead them to trust in you. And I pray that you would go before them right now and prepare the hearts of the people that they will meet. So that when they speak to them, the opportunity would be, would be ripe for the harvest. And that people would come to trust in you. Thank you for loving us. And thank you for allowing us to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to invite you this morning to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. We're going to start there. I would like to remind you, and um, well, just in case you don't know who I am, I'm Jason. I'm the youth minister here at Rosemont. And uh, if you would, please be in prayer for our pastor, Adam and Randy. And Bobby Lumpkin, they are in Guatemala right now, sharing the gospel, doing a pastor's conference. Please pray that that will be successful. Those ministers will be encouraged and ready to go out and continue the work that they're doing where they are in Guatemala. Um, Also be in prayer for our Asia team. As they're going out this week, we need to pray that God would, uh, would bless that Continue to bless that team and help them to do the work they're going to do and have safe travel. So please keep them all in your prayers. Um, this morning, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I think one of the, one of the blessings of being a Christian is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The great thing is that when God saved us by the power of, of His grace and by His of his, by His mercy and the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. He didn't save us and then send us out into the dark world by ourselves to just do the work and hope we succeed. All those things that Paul told Timothy about keeping the faith and fighting the good fight and persevering to the end aren't things that we have to do alone. We can do those things because we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And one thing that I've noticed about my life as a Christian is that sometimes I get so focused on the immediate, so focused on the things that are right smack in front of me, the things I can see, things I can feel, um, the things that affect me personally, that uh, I lose sight 
of the Holy Spirit's presence in me and the fact that He is above and beyond all of that. He's orchestrating it and He's using it for His glory and for His honor. And so when I lose sight of that, I begin to be afraid and I begin to have anxiety and I begin to lose hope and I begin to struggle with circumstances. And, and when I worry about all the things I'm supposed to, supposed to do in this life and I've been called to accomplish in this life, it becomes worry instead of faith. I believe God's called us all to live a life of faith, to walk by faith and not by sight. And it's really hard to, it's really hard to do that sometimes. It's hard to, uh, well, we just lose sight of it. We lose sight of the God who saved us. We lose sight of the God who's given us his promises. And we become mired, just like Peter, when he had his eyes on Christ as he stepped out of the boat and he was walking on water. As soon as he began to look around at the wind and the waves... He began to be consumed by them. And that's easy for us as Christians. So what I wanted to bring out of this scripture this morning was the amazing comfort and the power of God's presence with us in spite of what's happening around us or even to us. Uh, the apostles were dealing with some pretty, pretty amazing things that were happening to them because they were simply being obedient to God. They were simply preaching the word of God talking about Jesus everywhere they went. They couldn't stop talking about Jesus. They had already told the religious leaders who had told them to stop talking about Jesus. They looked at them and said, we can't stop talking about what we've seen and what we've heard. And so we're going to keep doing it. And as a result of that, they faced some difficult times. But then the Lord used that to do some really amazing things. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. One thing I want to bring out of this is that God uses, by the Holy Spirit of God, witnesses to the world through our testimony. The Holy Spirit witnesses to the world through our weaknesses. And the Holy Spirit witnesses to the world through the joy that He produces in our lives. These are some things we see in the apostles here in this story. One verse I'd like you to just start, start on with me is in verse 32. Acts chapter 5, verse 32, it says this. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. We are witnesses of the whole, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. They said this right after they had been interrogated, and they'd been in prison, they'd been released from prison, and, and their response to their interrogation was to preach the gospel. They shared the gospel of Jesus Christ and they told the story of Jesus and they said, we are witnesses of these things. This is our story. This isn't just God's story, but it's our story. But in addition to that, so is the Holy Spirit who has been given to all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. And that's a verse that I kind of want to hang on this morning and have us think about as we walk through this story. It's a really exciting story. It comes right after uh, what Pastor Adam preached on last week as the, as the disciples were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and they were going everywhere the Lord led them to go. They were preaching Jesus. Thousands of people were coming to believe in God. Thousands of people were coming to follow Jesus Christ. But there was also opposition. And so in the middle of this church growth, people learning of Jesus, learning of the death and resurrection of Jesus and the salvation and the gift of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, people were accepting this. But in the midst of that, they were learning what it means to be a church and how to, how to follow and be obedient. And then we came to the story about Ananias and Sapphira who, who wanted to look like everybody else and wanted to have the appearance of faith when they didn't really have that faith and they lied and, and then 
this, the tragedy took place right there in the church, and it was a testimony of, of God's power and God's presence and God's holiness. But then we come to this place where the apostles continue to, to preach and teach, and Pastor Adam left off in verse 12, and starting in verse 12 through about verse 16, he talks about how everywhere the apostles went, people were bringing lost people to them. People were bringing sick people to them so that they could be saved and so that they could be healed. They were laying them down in the streets in hopes that if Peter's shadow would just simply cross over the top of them, they would be healed of their sicknesses. And the Bible says in verse 16, also the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. Now, one amazing thing that I just would love to point out over and over again in this story is that everything that happens that seems to revolve around the apostles here was not because of the apostles. It was all because of the Holy Spirit. Everything that was done was done by God. Everything that happened was something that God did, including the healing of the people, including the people coming to know Jesus Christ, including the, this, the apostles being set free from jail. Everything happens by God. Take notice of verse 17 and just follow along with me as we read it and see if we can get a glimpse of the story here. In verse 17 it says, the high priest rose up along with all his associates, that is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They laid hands on the apostles and put them in a public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taking them out, he said, go stand and speak to the people in the temple, the whole message of this life. Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach. Now, there's not a whole lot of details in that story, but there's some really interesting things that are implied. Basically, what happens is the, the apostles are preaching the gospel of Jesus. They're specifically preaching about the resurrection of Jesus, and the sect of the Sadducees did not believe in resurrection from the dead. And so they became so jealous and angry because the apostles were drawing such a crowd, such a group of followers, that they felt like they needed to put a stop to it. And so they arrested them and they put them in jail. But in the middle of the night, an angel opened the doors of the jail and set the apostles free. But when he did, he said, I want you to go stand and speak the whole message of life. That whole message included resurrection of the dead. He didn't say, I want you to go and preach and just make sure you leave off the parts that are making people mad. Because that landed you in jail and I really need you out here preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't have you doing that in jail. So he busted them out. But he didn't say, go and preach the gospel. Just don't do the, all the stuff that got you there to begin with. He said, go and do what you were doing before. Preach the whole message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they continued preaching the whole message. Look at verse 21. It says, Now when the high priest and his associates came, they called the council together, even all the senate of the sons of Israel, and they sent orders to the prison house for them to be brought. But the officers who came did not find them in the prison. And they returned and reported back, saying, We found the prison house locked quite securely, and the guards standing at the doors. But when he had opened up, we found no one inside. Now the chief priests heard these words, and they were greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this. But someone came and reported to them, The men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. 
This is a really interesting scenario because what it seems to imply is that the next morning the Sadducees got together and they got the council together and they were going to bring the men out of jail so that they could have a trial and probably determine what they were going to do with the apostles, whether they were going to kill them or beat them or let them go. And, and so they, were, they went to go get them out of jail and when, we, when they got there, the guards were standing at the doors and the doors were still closed and apparently the guards had no idea the prisoners were gone. At this point, the guards opened the doors and it was at that point they realized the jail was empty. So a very miraculous thing took place, something they completely didn't understand. They were like, where did these guys go? They were very perplexed, probably very scared because when a Roman jailer um, or when, a, when these guards in this culture lose their prisoners, the punishment was usually death. And so they were very perplexed, very upset about this. And then somebody came and reported, the men whom you guys put in jail are back in the temple preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they're like, you know, what are we going to do about this? And so uh, they went to go get them again, but they knew that they had such a crowd of followers, they needed to be really careful because there were so many people or they were afraid that they would be upset about them being arrested again and would pick up rocks and stone them. So they went and peaceably re-arrested the apostles. So in verse 25, the captain, along with the officers, went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence, for they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned. When they had brought them, they stood before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So the apostles were arrested, they were interrogated, and they said, we gave you specific instructions not to preach the gospel, not to preach this message, this, this story about the resurrection of this man Jesus, and you're trying to put the blood of Jesus on our hands. We want you to stop doing that. And the apostles responded saying, we have to obey God before we obey you. And they responded following that by sharing the simple message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They talked about sin. They talked about God exalting Jesus to the right hand of the throne of God. They talked about Jesus being the prince and savior, being the Lord of our salvation. And they talked about the gift of repentance for the forgiveness of our sins. So one thing that I'd like to notice here is that uh, one thing that stands out to me is that the Holy Spirit used their witness, their testimony to share the gospel. And one thing we need to remember is that in the world that we live in, the Holy Spirit is present sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people of this world that need it. The Holy Spirit is here bringing the gospel to the darkest parts of our world and he's using us and our voices to take it there. And he's using our testimonies and our stories of our experiences with Jesus to bring the gospel to the people around us. And even when we face difficult times like these guys did, their initial response was more gospel. When they were confronted, when they came up to conflict, when they dealt with a difficult situation, their verbal response was more gospel. When they were landed in jail but then set free by the angel, the angel told them, I want you to go, I want you to stand, and I want you to speak the whole message of life. 
One thing I think that we need to remember as Christians is that it should be that the gospel is on our lips at all times. The gospel should be part of our everyday conversations. It should be something that flows out of um, our relationships with people around us. We should be able to talk and share the gospel with people in our lives, including the people that come against us and create conflict in our lives. The gospel should be part of that. One thing that's interesting here is that they didn't strike back at the Sadducees and bring accusations against them. However, they specifically said, you are guilty of the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Sadducees were really upset about that. You're saying, they're saying, you're trying to make us guilty of this man's blood. And we're not guilty of killing this man. And, and the apostles said, you are guilty. And then in verse 30, he said, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. Now, it's very possible that these Sadducees were part of the Sanhedrin that were also part of the death and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Maybe they were directly responsible for hanging Jesus on the cross. They didn't want to be known as responsible for that because they wanted the people to like them. But the reality is, it was also an act of mercy because that is the full gospel of Jesus Christ. It starts with our guilt. It starts with our sin. Until we realize that it is our sin that caused Jesus to die on the cross, then we can't truly understand or be grateful for the salvation that's offered to us and the forgiveness that's offered to us in Jesus Christ. Until we come to a place where we're willing to say, the blood of Christ is on my hands because of the sins that I've committed. Now, when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ and when we speak of Christ, the whole gospel includes that, but it also includes the rest of it. He was exalted. He went to the right hand as the prince and savior, the prince being a leader and a lord. He is the lord of our salvation, meaning that I am going to God to be my salvation, to, to be my salvation, to Jesus Christ, to be my savior. And he's granting to us repentance and forgiveness, meaning that our ability to repent and find forgiveness in God is a gift from God. It is something that we can't just go out and decide to do if we want to. It is something that God's given to us. It's a gift. God's blessed us with repentance. God's blessed us with forgiveness. And there is hope. But yes, it does start with the fact that we are sinners. And that's where they started. Now, it's, you know, if you're being interrogated, if you've been arrested for something, or you're being interrogated, or somebody's coming against you, the initial response is to try to smooth things over, try to make people happy, put on a good Georgia smile, and, you know, try to see if we can smooth out that relationship. But the reality is their initial response was, yes, you actually are guilty of the blood of Jesus. That's not going to go a long way for making these people happy. That's not going to smooth things over. And the reality is, when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we're bold about it, if we're constant about it, if it's something that's regularly a part of our lives, there's going to be people who receive it, but there's also going to be people who get really angry about it. And our temptation is to say, well, you know, I think that if I share the whole message right now, if I, if I really get into it with this person about Jesus, that it might offend them, it might make them upset, or it might make them closed off to my relationship, and it might not, you know, they may not want to, you know, it might make them upset and mad, so I'm just going to kind of hold back a little bit. But that's exactly the opposite of what the apostles did in this moment. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel if necessary, use words. Some, some of us may have heard that before. I've heard it before. 
And, um, you know, the, usually we kind of bring that up when we talk about how important it is for us to live such a life that we are counterculture. We live a life that reflects the character and the quality of Jesus. We're out in our community talking about um, how God's changed us, but, but we just live differently. We don't do the, some of the things that other people do, and we do things because we're being obedient to the Lord. This just makes us different than the culture and the world around us. And we live such a life that it kind of makes us a light in our community. It makes us different. It makes people want to ask why. And, and we live with such joy and with such hope that it kind of rubs off on people and it makes people say, hey, I want the God that you have. But the problem with that statement, preach the gospel and if necessary use words, is that without the words, nobody will know why we are who we are. You know, we could live a really good life here and be good and moral people that stand out from the average crowd, but we could easily be confused with somebody who just grew up in a better situation than other people. We could be confused with somebody who just, you know, had a different kind of upbringing. It just happens to be how we were raised. It just happens to be the culture we live in. And there's certainly a number of false religions that are teaching people to be good. So if we just leave it up to people to assume or figure out why we are the way we are, they may never know. And the reason that we are Christians today is because somebody spoke the truth to us. Or wrote it down and gave it to us. Somebody read it to us. Somebody used words to tell us the true message of Jesus Christ. It is absolutely necessary that our words be used by God in order to bring somebody to Jesus Christ. Without that, people may never know. And so it's important for us to try and use our words, use our testimonies, use our conversations in such a way that it points people to Jesus as often as we can. The Holy Spirit witnessed through their testimony, but they were also willing to go and to stand and to speak the whole message. God used their testimony. I think sometimes we're not, I don't sense, I don't see God using my words because sometimes I'm not always willing to stand and speak when I know I should stand and speak. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's sin in my life, or maybe it's, um, you know, just something else I'm struggling with. Maybe I'm just focused on myself right now and not really focused on the eternal quality of this person's soul that's standing right in front of me. And I get too self, self-absorbed and I forget that somebody else might need the gospel. And so the gospel is then not on my lips because the only thing I'm thinking about is myself. And those are things that I think hinder my testimony, hinder the Holy Spirit from being able to use my testimony the way he wants to, the way he used the testimony of these apostles. If we're not willing to go and stand and speak, then we will never see God use our testimony to spread his testimony. Another thing that I'd love for you guys to see and something that stands out to me is that the Holy Spirit witnesses through our weaknesses. This is um, really encouraging to me. Actually, when I look at this, there's some really amazing things that happen, some pretty tragic things. First, you notice that they got arrested and thrown in jail. They were, doing, they were being obedient to God and they weren't arrested because they were being disobedient to God or because they were doing things wrong. Bad things didn't happen in their life because they were, they were being faithful to God. Bad things, God just allowed bad, this bad thing to happen and it's really hard to even know why he did except for the fact that they went to jail and then the Holy, the, an angel of God miraculously got them out of jail showing to the people that there is something bigger at work here 
than what you can see with your eyes. And then they're re-arrested and interrogated. And after they're interrogated, they're, they share the gospel of Jesus Christ and it makes them so mad. Look at verse 33. It makes them so mad they wanted to kill them. But when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and intended to kill them. So they, they were meeting with the apostles. The apostles said, no, we're going to obey God rather than men. And we are going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as an act of mercy, I'm going to share it to you one more time, just in case you kill me. And that's exactly it made them so angry in this particular case that they were going to kill him. And then this man, Gamaliel, stood up. He was a, uh, a leader of the Pharisees. And this is a different religious group than the Sadducees. But Gamaliel, who happened later on, we read about Gamaliel, it turns out that he is the man who was kind of a mentor or a teacher for Saul, who shows up in chapter 6 at the stoning of Stephen and later is converted to Paul. He is one of the men who was training Saul in his, in his pharisaical religious belief systems. But Gamaliel said, hey, stop, we need to hold up. You guys are moving really fast. You're really angry. You want to kill these men, but wait. In verse 34, it says, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you propose to do with these men. So he said, set the men outside for a little while. We need to have a conversation. I know you guys want to kill them, but Let's just have a, let's have a meeting really fast about what's about to happen. You guys are moving really fast. Let's slow this train down and have a little conversation because I think there's something at work here that you can't see. And so he reminds them of two scenarios that had already happened in the past where somebody rose up and kind of became a leader and developed a following. But those people turned out to be false, false prophets, false teachers, rebels. And verse 35 says, he said to the men of Israel, take care what you propose to do with these men. For some time ago, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody. And a group of about 400 men joined up with him, but he was killed. And all who followed him were dispersed and it came to nothing. Verse 37. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away some people after him. He too perished and all those who followed him were scattered. And this is what to me is so important about the point that Gamaliel is trying to make. He said, so in this present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. Let them alone. For if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them or else you may even be found fighting against God. So this man was not necessarily a believer in Jesus or a believer in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but he was a religious man. He believed in God, and he feared God, and he was afraid of winding up in a situation where he was fighting against God because most of these religious men had read large portions of what we call the Old Testament. They knew the stories in the Old Testament about how God protected the Israelite people in very dramatic ways. And so they knew those stories, and Gamaliel was listening to the story, he was listening to the testimony of the apostles, and he had heard about, the, about how they had escaped from jail, and nobody knew why. He knew there was something bigger at work here, but he wasn't really sure if it was true or not. And so he was saying, we need to be really careful here, because if these men aren't of God, then it's really not, it doesn't matter. It's going to come to nothing. But if they are of God, you need to be careful. Because you don't want to be found fighting against God. And so what the Lord did through these apostles was take this scenario and reveal to us that 
that God is at work even in situations and circumstances that are completely out of our control. One thing I'd like you to notice is there's nothing that happens here that's in the control of the apostles. The only thing they could control was whether or not they obeyed God and preached the word. That was the only thing they could change. Everything else was out of their hands. They were being obedient to the Lord and they were talking about Jesus and they got arrested. They couldn't control that. The angel busted them out of jail. They couldn't control that either. He told them to go on and preach. They were obedient. They got arrested again. They couldn't control that. They were interrogated and then they were going to be killed. There was nothing they were going to be able to do to stop that. If they decided to kill them in that moment, they would have probably been killed unless an angel saved them from that. But everything up to this point was completely out of their control. They were kind of along for the ride. They were just being obedient to God. And so then God was working with them and, and these people had a hold of them and God raised up Gamaliel to kind of take a stand for him for a moment there. And then as a result, they listened to Gamaliel and said, okay, we need to let him go, but first we're going to flog them. So look at verse 40. It says, they took his advice and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and released them. So the Holy Spirit witnessed through their weaknesses, but they were willing to obey God rather than men. Now, one, there's kind of a, some, a phrase that we, talk, we hear often. It is that when God, or when God closes a door somewhere, he opens a window. And uh, it gives us kind of hope. It helps us kind of deal with circumstances in life. You know, when we have our hopes or our excitement set up on something or we're working in life and things just don't quite go the way we expected and we're very discouraged about it and we tend to grow anxious, we tend to lose, lose sight of God and his control. And so we kind of comfort ourselves by looking, at, looking for this kind of window of opportunity. But the reality is all of that's out of our control and there may not be a window for a really long time. Or the window may just simply be hope that God is in control. If you remember Joseph in the Old Testament, he went to prison for a very long time for being obedient to God. His, his next open door didn't come for a very long time. It is very possible that as Christians, when we live for the Lord, that the Lord may close a door in our life and it may be closed for a very long time. And it may be a difficult season of life and it may last for a very long time. And in some cases, at some point, all of these disciples were martyred for their faith. The disciples of Jesus, the twelve disciples were martyred with the exception of John, who was exiled to an island of Patmos. So his window for his closed door was death. So being Christian doesn't necessarily mean we, we get to live a happy life. But being a Christian does mean that we can trust that the Holy Spirit is working with our life. And he's using our circumstances and he's using where we are and the way that he's placed us to strategically share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But sometimes I think we're not willing to be obedient to God and we're not seeing God use us where we are because we're just too mad about where we are. And rather than giving it to God and saying, okay, God, you've placed me here. This is what you're doing with my life. How can I use it for your glory? How can I speak the gospel of Jesus Christ? And the last thing I'd like you to see is these last couple verses. In verse, verse 41. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. 
And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. The Holy Spirit witnesses through our testimony. The Holy Spirit witnesses through our weaknesses. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses through our joy. Now one thing about being able to rejoice in this scenario is that it's pretty obvious that it's joy is something that is very different than happiness. Because when they're, they were flogged, and it's most likely a very similar kind of flogging to the one that Jesus received. 39 lashes. It's really kind of uncertain of what kind of tool they use, but the reality is most people who endured a flogging in this culture were, um, they were barely survived. That's why they would only give 39 lashes. And there was a law about it because they knew that there was a point where too much, where it could, they could receive too much and it would kill them. Many people did die from floggings. And so as this was happening, you know there was a lot of pain. You know there was a lot of suffering. And there was probably a really long road of physical recovery after a flogging like that. But immediately flogging, immediately after their flogging, they stood up and they left. And they rejoiced because God's, God was willing to let them suffer for him. And they went on rejoicing and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, talking about Jesus everywhere they went, in their homes and in the temple wherever they would go, they would share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God can use our joy. Now, one thing that I notice is that for my testimony and my words to be used by God, I need to be willing to walk with God. I need to be willing to walk by faith and not by sight in this world. For, for me to not get consumed by life and all the crazy things that are happening in the world around us. I need to keep my eyes on Christ and he may use my life to be a witness in the world around me. And the Holy Spirit can take me and create joy in me for the circumstances that that I may live in or that you may live in. God can give us joy. But one thing I notice is that when the gospel is not readily on my lips at all times, And when contentment and peace are not present and all I feel is anxiety and fear and when joy seems to be out of reach and perseverance seems impossible and all I feel is disappointment, I realize when I read something like this, I realize that I probably have lost sight of the Holy Spirit's presence who has not left me. That's one of the blessings of being a Christian is that we may lose sight of God, but he never loses sight of us. He's walking with us, he's with us, and he wants to use us as his witness. But we so often lose sight. I think I fall into the trap sometimes of focusing on me instead of focusing on him. So as Christians, let's, let's praise God for his willingness to be present with us and help us and lead us. James chapter 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So for the Christians in the room, I'd love to challenge you and encourage you to just praise the Lord for the fact that He is God, He is the Holy Spirit, and He is walking with you, He's present with you. If you call yourself a Christian, if you truly have faith in Jesus Christ, if you are walking with Him in an abiding abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is going to use your words to speak life into somebody else. The Holy Spirit is going to use your life to be a witness to someone else. The Holy Spirit could use your joy to be a testimony to someone else. God wants to use you. Don't lose sight of it. 
And if you're lost today, and if you, you've lost, you feel like you're far from God, or you know that you're walking in your sin, and you know that you are guilty of the blood of Jesus Christ, there's hope for you. And that is that you accept the repentance of forgiveness for your sins that is offered to you by Jesus Christ. Be willing to cry out to the Lord for forgiveness and for salvation. I'd like to invite you to stand as we pray. God, thank you so much for this day and for your presence with us. I pray that your spirit would lead us to trust in you and to walk with you. I pray that you would testify through our words. You would witness through our weaknesses and the things that happen that we can't control. And you would be a witness through our joy, that you would create joy in us that, that we can't produce for ourselves. I pray that you will help us to rejoice. To rejoice because you are God. To rejoice because you are good. To rejoice because you are present with us. And there is hope in the midst of disappointments and struggles in life. And imprisonments and closed doors in our life. There's hope. Help us to rejoice And the the fact that you can take our words and you can help us share Jesus with our friends and family members who desperately need you. Give us boldness like the apostles had. Give us courage to stand for Jesus. Give us confidence to be able to speak the truth at all times. I pray that you would do whatever it takes in our lives to lead us to be so close to you that you would affect the world like through us like you did through these apostles. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're welcome to come to the altar and pray in this next few minutes if you would like to. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.